I'm Vicky Kerrigan. I live in the capital of the Northern Territory of Australia, a place called Darwin. Royal Darwin Hospital is an imposing 10-storey concrete block of a building. It was built from the same plans used for a hospital in Canberra. Apparently in the late 70s, when contractors were selling the design in Darwin, they used sticky tape to cover up the word Canberra on the plans, so locals didn't realise the hospital wasn't at all designed specifically for our tropical city. Unlike the old Miley Point Hospital, which operated from 1942 to 1980 and was designed for the tropics with floor-to-ceiling louvers to maximise airflow, the current hospital is sealed and ventilated by notoriously freezing air conditioning. From some of the hospital beds, you can see the Arafura Sea and the surrounding bushland. And just a short five-minute bike ride from the hospital, there's a beautiful paper bark mangrove, which is almost impossible to imagine from inside the concrete block. So we're going to spend some time talking about the hospital environment because you had a lot of questions about it. And when we talk about the hospital environment, it's not just physical. It's also the environment we create with our attitudes and words and our policies. So we're talking about racism. Now, this can be a confronting conversation and we thank you very much for asking these questions and for being open to this discussion. Ask the Specialist, a podcast where doctors from Royal Darwin Hospital ask a team of specialists to answer the questions they have about working with Aboriginal patients. My name is Billawarra Lee. Billawarra means the red-tailed black cockatoo. I'm an elder of the Larrakia Nation. My name is Parawa Ingi, Purintaramiriya, a Tiwi elder. And my name is Rajo Melanie Herdman, and I am from Arnhem Land. The specialists are Larrakia, Tiwi and Yolngu leaders, who have all had personal experiences in hospital in the Northern Territory of Australia. In these podcasts, doctors ask the questions, but you won't hear their voices. The doctors remain anonymous because they've volunteered to participate in this, which is a research project. And instead, my mate Richard Margotson gives voice to both male and female doctors. What is it like coming to hospital? I think there's a certain value in knowing that. There's all these negative associations with hospitals. Lots of sick family or close friends who've come to hospital to die. So it's seen as a place to die. talk all day about this and I'm just I'm not I don't want to explain this because it gives me a a headache when I talk about this because most of my families who go there that's their assumption is they're going there to die or they're going there and they're not going to come back home and I have had families who have chosen to die at home like just made the decision I'm not going to get treatment and family accept that you know and but it's hard because the treatment that they're going to get they're going to get better but they've probably seen families struggle aboriginal people don't like coming to hospital and the reason why is that aboriginal people are spiritual people so coming to hospital you have needles stuck 
inside your bodies and other things. So that's a foreign object invading your bodies, being stuck in their skin. It's a serum being injected. They got poison. You know, you get a snake that bites someone. How Aboriginal people see that is that it's not the poison, it's the snake biting you and the snake going into your body. It kills you, so... Could be the same concept or... That's the same, yes. So that's why Aboriginal people hesitate in coming into hospitals. They'd rather stay at, at home and die, die there. You know, because Aboriginal people are spiritual people. Yeah. Uh, I think non-Indigenous people in general need to understand that. What can we do so patients don't fear coming to hospital? When people go to Darwin, they're already scared. So making sure that when someone has an appointment, that as much information is provided to the health service where they go to get their itinerary to come to Darwin about what they're going for, how long it might take, even if it's just an approximate answer, and also what are their options? Is there options for them to do video link-up? Is there options for them to do an assessment in Gulf? Some doctors do specialist clinics in our major communities, and obviously it's going to be different if people go there emergency. What can we do to make Royal Darwin Hospital a safer place? A place where people feel like they're going to be looked after as opposed to somewhere where they're scared and feel like maybe people aren't on their side or we're not looking after them. You can encourage family to come and it's critically important if somebody is airlifted from a remote community and they're on their own because they're 17 and just on that edge of not having a carer come. But, you know, you can find family that's in town that might come up and visit, which will make them more comfortable. Some of the things that I really, really would like to see, sometimes people are isolated. Building that social environment for them that, like, and I know some that's hard because sometimes people have drips and stuff, but for them to be able to have that inclusion, whether it's, talking to their doctor, having the opportunity to go downstairs. It's just hard, like, and I know that everyone understands how hard it is. I don't know, like, that freedom, that sense of making a choice. They're simple things that can change someone's view on getting the right treatment and, and finishing their treatment rather than running away. Is there anything we could do physically with the environment to make it more appropriate? They need to redesign the hospitals somehow. At Palmerston Hospital, I was part of the design for that and we designed a healing room for traditional healers that could go in and do the smoking ceremony and everything. When it was actually built, we went to look and they relocated the healing area that was going to be near a nice courtyard to side-by-side doors with the morgue. Can you imagine our mob working there? And it's not used for healers. They've now confiscated the room to use for family who are mourning the dead ones in the morgue. So we don't have the smoking ceremony at Palmerston. 
and we have certainly have nothing at Royal Darwin Hospital. When my mum passed two years ago and we went out to the cigarette smoking area because there is no smoking area and we conducted a full smoking ceremony and we sent the word out next minute, all of the Aboriginal patients from that ward she was in where she passed and all the ILOs turned up. So we had this long procession and we just smoked them all. And they're like, put that smoke on me because when I go back into the room building, I'm going to try and put that smoke on the walls because the smoke is a spirit cleanser. You know, they wash the walls with cleaners and stuff like that, but they're not cleaning it spiritually. And again, we come back to the spiritual. That's why it's challenging uh, because the system, a white white man's system, white fellow's system uh, against an old culture uh, will compete against each other. So, you know, put some gardens, set aside a cultural area where smoking can be performed, things like that. It can be done. Not can be, but it has to be done. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Get a lot of Aboriginal and Islander staff working here. That would help greatly. Obviously, they can relate to their people. It's as simple as that. Yeah, it's not rocket science. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what do you think for RDH? Would, I, I mean, I know I said we need Aboriginal doctors and nurses, but that's a long shot. Um, do they have cultural advices there or...? No. No? So I've advocated for that to be a senior executive. Probably keep fighting till the so. day I retire, but that's all right. <laughs> it's like the job description they had for the Deputy Treaty Commissioner. You've got to be local, you, you've got to have networks, you've got to have cultural understanding and health. So very specific and I would even go so far as not a young person, a mature, maybe elder. It's time they started looking at that employment strategy for the hospital. Auntie Billawarra talking big picture stuff. Auntie Billawarra Lee is an elder of the Larrakea Nation. She's a member of the Cabillo family. She's the eldest of 15 children. She's got nine brothers and five sisters. She's a communicator, a healer, and so obviously a teacher. She spent most of her life working in health and education. She sits on many committees and boards in the sector, and currently she's the Larrakea Elder in Residence at Charles Darwin University. And if that's not enough, she's also working on reviving the Larrakea language. I want to know what Aboriginal people feel like when we talk to them. What makes them think that we're racist? Quite simply, you don't talk down to people. You talk to a person. At the same level. You do, do it the right way and for the right reason. That's why I say if you want to make improvement in that area, you've got to have a full-time cultural person working here both male and a female, so that those things are minimised. You know, things like eye-to-eye contact. How you talk to a person is, is very important, but how you look at a person also is important, or how you not look at a person in an Aboriginal way. And how you talk can be offensive, and then Aboriginal people just switch off. You have to be careful 
It's a bad perception. How Aboriginal people are treated. They will say it. When you come to hospital, they'll say you, tell you, hey, uncle, that, that one talked to me in a, a no good way. I'd also like to know what people think about the hospital. Do they perceive it as a racist place? I'm interested to know what people really think about the place. Hospitals aren't a place that people really want to be. But is it that unpleasant for people that it's like a horrible sort of racist sort of place? That's a good question. Why people perceive hospitals to be racist is how Aboriginal people are treated. It's as simple as that. So attitudes. Yeah. Yeah. The attitudes of employees on all levels, whether it's a grantsman to the doctor. Being a racist place, I think they've been working very hard. I mean, I've been consulted on the the artwork and everything like that, which they've done like in paediatrics and things like that. I mean, I know that the surgeons from ED, out of their own pockets, bought the artwork that sit in emergency department. So they are very committed. I think they want to. It's just they need help and guidance in making it a less racist. And um, and I mean, once they, I mean, they can make the atmosphere look a little less racist, but they need that language and communication of the staff. Communication is key, believe me. There's bigotry. And I think the most immediate impact is language and you can see the attitude, the body language of the health professional. You don't have to actually say anything. We pick it up. And we're like radar when it comes to that. Yep, I agree with that. So attitudes, I think, you know, it's not a them and an us thing. It's a us together, we. I mean, I've witnessed, I wander around that hospital regularly. If a white person's beside uh, a remote person, they will pull their curtain and keep it constantly pulled so you don't have to have any contact. Things like that. You know, think about putting the Aboriginal patient next to the window so they can see out and get sunlight, not in the corner that I was in two weeks ago where you don't get any direct sunlight. Something simple. But, you know, I'm not saying put all Aboriginal people in one bay because they might be poison dreaming to each other and can't be in the same bay. But, you know, just, yeah, it's a lot to take in, I guess, for the Western system. Let's do the paper round on how to make the hospital environment culturally safe. Remember why Aboriginal people don't like coming to hospital. Most of my families who go there, that's their assumption is they're going there to die. If a patient's coming from a community, try to supply as much information as possible to the clinic so the clinic can give that information to the patient. Patients can feel really isolated, so encourage family members to visit because being social is part of being healthy. Advocate for more Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander staff in the hospital and the development of unique cultural spaces where ceremonies can be performed. And finally... Why people perceive hospitals to be racist is the attitudes of employees. I mean, they can make the atmosphere look a little less racist, but they need that 
language. Communication is key. Next time on Ask the Specialist. Patients, uh, particularly from remote communities, will have huge anxiety and issues around what is happening with any of their body fluids, everything from vomit to faeces, but particularly around blood. We'll talk about different worldviews on health. Thank you to Auntie Bilawara Lee, Pira Wangi, Purantata Mary, Rachiwoi, Melanie Herdman and Stuart Yiwar McGrath for sharing their knowledge and personal experiences. I'm Vicky Kerrigan. We hope you've learnt some stuff you can try at work, but we also hope you've been inspired to think about who you are and how you work. Because while it's helpful and completely fascinating to learn about Aboriginal cultures, If we're sincere about wanting to improve health outcomes for everyone, we need to critically think about our culture and how we can change. Not just as individuals, but also take a look at the places where we work and the policies we've created to suit how we think the world should operate.